Hey everybody, today we're going to talk a little bit about foraging for mushrooms. It was something that I was pretty intrigued by and I was always concerned because I'd been told growing up that all mushrooms are poison and you don't touch wild mushrooms. Well, I learned later in life that that's not actually the case and there's a lot to be had from the wilderness and even from your own backyard that you can add to some dishes and you don't need a lot of gear for foraging mushrooms. You know, just some lunch sacks, some brown paper bags, and a standard kitchen knife, like a paring knife, is really all you need. Besides knowledge. Knowledge is key when you're looking for mushrooms. And in order to get that knowledge, I highly recommend someone who's a part of either a mushroom society or a group of people that can take you out and teach you. There are many books, websites, and all sorts of stuff, but nothing compares with having somebody show you in person what to look for and what to avoid. For me specifically, I had read lots of books. One of my favorite authors is John Garrock. I hope I said his last name properly. But he writes a lot of stories about hunting and fishing in the outdoors. And it was always intriguing to me that he would grouse hunt and find mushrooms while he was grouse hunting. So he called these mushrooms the King Belites. And at the time, I didn't know what they were. No idea, but I always thought that that would be neat. But like a, a lot of people, they're afraid of mushrooms. Now, let's dispel a few things just really quick before we get into this podcast. One, yes, mushrooms can be poisonous. But what people don't realize is most of the things that they'll do to you aren't terribly bad. There's a few mushrooms that'll end your life. There's a lot of mushrooms that'll get you high. And all of these different mushrooms have different chemicals in them. There are some mushrooms that react poorly with alcohol. There are some mushrooms that you can build up a, a level of toxicity to. I have a really good friend who loves morel mushrooms love morel hunting and over the last few years has actually developed an allergy to them so he can no longer even eat the morels so i'd be reading these books and the author would hunt grouse find a king bolete and then he would use both the grouse and the mushroom to make his dinners i find that fascinating i love being able to hunt grouse, use the grouse feathers to tie flies, go out and kind of see the entire circle of life. Now, when I first figured out that you could find mushrooms and not be afraid of them, I was guiding a couple of people up in the high mountains of Utah in the Uintas. And the river we were on had a lot of brook trout, had a lot of cutthroat trout, great dry fly areas. There's some grouse in those areas as well, a lot of aspens and pines, a lot of willows along the rivers. We'd run into moose quite often. Well, this section of the river had a lot of beaver activity as well. So the beaver would tunnel in to get to the willows so that they wouldn't have to be exposed to predators. And these tunnels would go underneath two, three, four feet under the bank and then pop up and there'd be just this random hole. Sometimes they'd go 20, 30 feet. But in the section that we were fishing, we had to walk down river. There were quite a few people and quite a few guides, so we were all splitting off our different directions. So most of the time when I'm dry fly fishing, 
I prefer to start and fish upstream as far as I need to. So on this day, I'd walk downstream maybe quarter to a half a mile and then fish back up to where the vehicles were and we were all going to meet back there to have our lunch. So I take these two gentlemen. It's a father-son. The father's from France, doesn't speak a lot of English, but the son is translating. And we head on down the bank. We're following, I don't really think you could call it a trail, game trail. It just had been some packed down grass from guide traffic, really. As we're walking down this trail, I'm keeping my eyes out for these holes that the beavers would create because it's a really easy thing to step into. Easy to twist a knee or an ankle. So I was trying to make sure that the clients didn't get into some spots that would damage gear that they had or damage themselves. So we're walking down the bank and out of the blue, this gentleman from France lights me up. Stupid American, I can't believe that you just walked through all that. Oh, you're so dumb. And I really had no idea what I'd done wrong. Until the son finally calmed his dad down and said, he doesn't understand, it's okay. And what had happened is I had inadvertently walked through a patch of morel mushrooms. At the time, I had no idea. I'm like, all right, so this guy's yelling and screaming at me in French. And it's all because of these little mushrooms that I just stepped on. But in the back of my mind... I'm thinking about John Garrock's books. I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is one of those mushrooms that's edible. So I start talking to the gentleman. I'm like, hey, you know what? I really apologize. That is an area that I do not have any expertise in at all. Could you teach me? And he said, sure. And he talked to me a little bit about the morels and how easy they are to identify and that they're difficult to confuse with other mushrooms. Well, that really just piqued my interest. So at the end of the day of fishing... I got home and jumped on the, the internet and pulled up Wild Mushrooms of Utah in Google. And the first thing to pop up was the Wild Mushroom Society of Utah. So that piques my interest even further. I start going through their pages and reading everything that I can find. Because even as a child, I'm very book-learned on different topics. I would go to the library, I would pick up whatever books I could. The library at the high school that I went to had a whole bunch of merit badge books for the Boy Scouts of America, and I would read those cover to cover and just try and find more and more and more information for things that I didn't have the answers to, which is actually one of the things that I love so much about guiding. I would get questions all the time about flora and fauna and what's this and what's that and how does this happen and why does this happen and things that I had taken for granted I realized that a lot of people don't know and they don't want to be made fun of go into a forum on the internet ask a silly question get made fun of and they're just you know I don't want to say insecure about asking questions but a lot of people don't want to admit that they don't know something I will admit that I don't know a lot of things and I really like to find things out. So if a, if I had a client that would ask me a question and I didn't know the answer, I would always go look it up. I would try and figure out the name of that specific flower. I would try and figure out why 
this mushroom was in this spot at this time. So I started digging into the Mushroom Society of Utah. On the website, the, the president at the time was a gentleman by the name of Don Johnson. He's a gunsmith, super nice guy. I give him a call because his phone number's on there. We talk for a while, and I explain what had happened. He laughs for a little bit, and he said, well, once you get into this and you start understanding morel mushrooms, you're going to realize what a mistake it was, which at this point in my life, I do realize what a mistake it was. So Don decided that he had a cabin pretty close to where I normally fish. I had the next day off, and we decided to meet up. And he was going to take me out on a small foray, explain some mushrooms to me, get me into the outdoors, and show me something completely new. Now, I don't expect everybody just to be able to do that. I mean, the stars had aligned or whatever, and I was able to get out with an absolute professional. Most mushroom societies across the nation, there's lots of different forums online and different things, and it's kind of hard to actually do a true identification from a picture. There are things you can do to make it easier, but I give everybody the same advice when it comes to mushrooms. Go with people who know. Find those groups, find those clubs, find those people that can teach you. There are so many mushrooms that are, one, delicious, and two, don't have poisonous lookalikes or that are you know, just mushrooms that you can find near you. doesn't matter where you are in the U.S. It's one of those things that once you start looking at the ground in a way to find mushrooms, you find tons of them. Is it daunting? Sure, there's tons of mushrooms. I mean, to be able to find out what they all are, what they all do, I mean, the, the study of that is mycology. And a true mycologist is going to spend years and years and years and years in studying i don't really have the time or the desire to be that in depth in the field of mushrooms or mycology but i do want to know which ones are good to eat and what they pair with and where i can find them just so i can you know slow that learning curve down so i meet up with don johnson the next day and don takes me out and we start walking the river and he starts pointing out mushrooms unbelievable what that man would find so we found some more morels we found some oyster mushrooms we found some puffball mushrooms we found some swillis which is a slippery jack and he walked me through what to look for and the different levels of edibility you know like anything else in the world some things taste really good some things don't some people like certain mushrooms some people don't so for the most part it's just another reason for me to get into the out of doors. Now, some of my favorite mushrooms to find are the Lactarius deliciosus, which is also in the Uintas. This is one of those mushrooms that when you slice it, it'll bruise kind of a green color, and then it has a clear liquid that'll kind of milk out of it. If you've ever broken a plant that has the white milky stuff in it, it's similar to that, but it's clear. Now, the nice thing about that you can slice this mushroom and the fluid that comes out of it, it's just kind of a little bit of a tacky fluid. It doesn't, it's not like pouring out like water, but then you can bread it and just deep fry it that way. So that one's a really fun one. Uh, when I was in the Midwest, chicken of the woods, hen of the woods, 
and chanterelles were kind of my go-tos. You can find chanterelles in the high mountains too. The King Belide is the king out here. Lots of people love that one. It's kind of an August mushroom depending on our rainfall out here. So I've been able to learn a lot about the mushrooms that I like and the mushrooms that I'm going to eat. So I'll go ahead and challenge you. If you're interested in finding out about mushrooms, find your local club. You know, join whatever memberships you need to. Some of them, like the Utah Mushroom Society or the Wild Mushroom Society of Utah, I should say, does have a membership fee. But one of the neat things they do is they go on lots of forays. And so you'll have these experts, and it's a the demographic of the people that are out looking for mushrooms is extremely broad. It is an eclectic group of people. But that's fun. You know, you get all these different walks of life, and you get to go out with people that are enjoying nature and have knowledge of things that you can learn from. I, one of the very first forays I went on, we went out and we were finding meadow mushrooms, uh, agaricus mushrooms, and those are kind of like the white mushrooms you find just in the standard grocery stores. So you can go out and find all sorts of mushrooms. But what I'll tell you about mushrooms that you find, they are more flavorful and there's just something different about a mushroom you found yourself. But make sure that you just use the resources to get good identifications on stuff until you're comfortable with your own knowledge and your own skill set so that you can make those identifications. Now, when you do find those mushrooms, I made the mistake once of teaching somebody how to find morels. And instead of going to a new spot and looking myself, I took this woman to one of my morel spots. Now, about a week after that, I ran into her and she was so excited because that day she'd gone back to the same spot and found a, a little over three pounds worth of morels. Learned a hard lesson that day. If you tell people where your morel spots are or your wild asparagus spots are or where your ramps are. Now ramps are a wild leak that I was introduced to in the Midwest. People unintentionally will steal your spots and tell other people. There almost has to be a little bit of a code of honor when it comes to that kind of stuff that you just don't. If somebody takes you somewhere, you really shouldn't go back, even if it's public lands, without talking to them about it. You know, just let them know, hey, I'm not going to bring anybody else to these spots because they're going to share information with you that maybe has taken years for them to find. So just make sure you have a little bit of respect for that stuff. Now, not everybody's going to agree with me either on that, and that's okay. I like that we can have different discussions and discuss different topics. So if there are topics you want to discuss about mushrooms, shoot me an email. You can find it in the, in the show notes. So when I was a younger kid, my mother did not like the smell of wild game, fish, things like that cooking in the house. So at a very young age, I learned that if I was going to do these things, I was going to have to learn how to cook on my own. So when it came to mushrooms, I learned how to cook mushrooms. I learned different ways to prepare them, different things that they go well in, how to preserve them, because there will be times that... You may only have a week or two 
of a specific mushroom and you might have a truck full of them well you don't want to waste them either and there are some mushrooms that are good to dry some mushrooms you can actually prepare soups and then can the soup you can do there's a couple mushrooms like the bitter hedgehog that a lot of people don't like because it's everything mushroom the flavor is intense I don't know if I would really call it uh, bitter per se all the ones that I've used but if you can imagine a mushroom only eats a mushroom forever that mushroom has extra mushroom flavor and that's kind of how the bitter hedgehog is it's to the point of overpowering the palate well I did have one person teach me that it's a good mushroom to dry and then you can crumble that up and put it in a pepper grinder and then just use it sparingly to season sauces so if you're gonna if you want that little bit of mushroom kick to it a couple of turns on the on the pepper grinder add some really good mushroom flavor to stocks soups or you can even just use it for dry rubs and whatnot but it's a it's a cool mushroom to find i found a couple that won't even fit in a five gallon bucket which is it's it's just neat i mean the reason it's called a a hedgehog mushroom is because it has these little kind of spines they're not sharp in any way but they hang down from underneath the mushroom so instead of having gills like most of the mushrooms you find in the grocery stores these have kind of a spine you just and you can always just google search it pull up bitter hedgehog mushroom and you'll be able to see what it looks like so there's another type of mushroom that'll have pores most of the bleats have pores underneath it's kind of like a sponge uh, the morels are just unique on their own but all of these mushrooms have their own interesting properties when you cook them chanterelles kind of have this fruity apricot smell when you're sauteing them in a pan so they i think they pair well with a lot of different wild games just because of all that you know that fruitiness that you have to it but with mushrooms specifically i really enjoy the fall most of the king bolites we'll start to see around here in northern northern utah southwestern wyoming are going to occur between i would say eight and nine thousand five hundred feet in elevation uh, they tend to like conifers i find a lot along little tiny spring fed tributaries that are flowing into larger creeks uh, you'll find them along some of the service berry patches you'll find them along rocky outcroppings where they get just a little bit of shade almost always in the conifers but they are very very rain dependent i have found at least my opinion a couple days after a really hard summer rain starting about the middle of august until that first hard freeze is the best time to go look for bolites so get out there find some if you know you you can find them all the way into september and that's a great time to get out and chase some upland birds you can find doves and grouse that time of year and you know bleed mushrooms go very well with those but bleep mushrooms are just they're just good anyway if you can find the buttons now a king bleep man it looks like a loaf of bread on a stick sometimes when you find them they're just giant a button mushroom 
for a King Belit can be like a baseball or a softball size and just absolutely delicious. But it's just one more reason to get out there and in the woods and look for things and find new places. You know, when you're looking for mushrooms, you might find a new, a new fun place to go fly fish or you might find a new place to set up a trail camera or you might find, you know, just something new. But thanks for listening. Let me know if you have any questions and enjoy. Mm-hmm.